0: I was uh, laying in bed early in the morning. A lot of times, I don't sleep well. I haven't slept well for many years. But don't feel sorry for me. Won't do you any good. Won't do me any good. But I haven't slept well for a long time. And um, Brother Crichton, you know what I'm talking about. And I haven't slept well for a long time. I'm struggling, getting up a lot at night. But you know, what's really good. Because God talks to me at night. You know, my wife's sleeping. I'm not sure what that means, but. My wife's sleeping. It quiet. I get up and walk around the house a little bit. And a lot of times I started quoting Scripture because it's one of my favorite things is to uh, speak the Word of God back to God. And so I began to quote Scripture and just things, walking through the house. And uh, he's, he, began to, he began to speak to me about a portion of the New Testament in the Gospels, of this portion we're going to read here, and how the disciples... His, his disciples, and it turn into a, a 11 of them, His apostles, which have their name on the New Jerusalem. It's a big deal. How they struggle. And the thing, same things, they all kind of struggle in the same area, and I thought, well, you know, we struggle in that same area. It makes sense to me that as they struggle, so we struggle. And it was in the area of having little faith, having little faith. If any area that you wish you had done better in when you go to heaven, it'll be the area of believing God, that you wish you wouldn't have believed God more. You were not so much done more, which, which could reflect believing God, by the way. Now, that may be true, as the song says. But actually that you stepped out on faith and believed God, believed these words, what he says about life and and everything. And so uh, in reading through the gospels again I I went through and did a study and on the on this i will call it the the common sin among believers. Common sin among believers was the same sin that they struggle with. Now they saw the miracles that Jesus did. People tell me if I'd see what these people saw I wouldn't have any trouble with faith. Oh yeah. They saw his miracles they smelled his miracles, they touched His miracles. They heard His preaching on the mount. They heard his, Jesus preaching to the multitudes, wisdom from God Himself, direct from God. They even tasted the miracles in the bread and the fish. that were multiplied by the very hand of God. Uh, but yet they still had this reoccurring problem. Now, I know if they struggled with that after having all that opportunity, surely I'm going to struggle with it. Uh, they suffered from what Jesus said was little faith. So I'm going to share with you tonight some of these occurrences by the grace of God, and hopefully we can walk away better, uh, more challenged in the area of faith. You know, they've memorized it uh, Hebrews 11:3, without faith is impossible, please God. Or is that 11:6? Without, without faith is impossible, please God. For you must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you don't believe that, you're not getting anything, nothing goes on. In fact, it says in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God. That's how serious it is to have no faith. Even double-minded faith. Like one day you got it, one day you don't. One moment you got faith, one day you don't. You struggle with this deal of of vacillation of faith. God says, "I, I don't like that. Because you're double-minded. You're not single-minded. What I talked about this morning was really being single-minded on the local church. Uh, Cast in everything you got to cast in God's local church. Throw in everything you got. Fire everything. And be part of the local church. You will not be upset about it later on. And God is going to be happy with you because you'll be single-minded in what you're doing. Let's read, let's read real quickly these and make a few comments. Therefore, I say unto you, Jesus' words take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life, and I like the life, more than meat and the body than remnant? Behold, the fowls of the air. This is going to give three examples here. The fowls of the air they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Answer the question. Are you not much better than the fowls of the air? You are. You are. He gives another example. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? How many of you, by worrying and fretting, have caused anything really to change? Third example, verse 28, and why take ye thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. We grew some, by the way, this year, some beautiful lilies, man. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which a day is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. That's about how long most of the flowers last. Shall not he much more clothe you? And I want you if you if you underline your Bible or highlight your Bible, this is the O ye of little faith. That's it right there. O ye of little faith. Therefore, that's the application part now. Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek, and they do. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. A lot of energy is wasted in something that might happen, something that may happen, something that could happen. But according to any statistic I've been able to read on this subject, What a person worries about, typically 95% of what a person worries about never even happens. Well, you've just spent a whole lot of your mental energy on something that's not going to happen. We have an election coming up. I think our whole future of America is in the balance. This isn't just an election. This is the deciding election of where we're going to be in America. Uh, whether we're whether we're going to have a church that is unharassed, whether we can do bus ministry, or whether I'll be accused of hate speech thrown in jail, told I can't preach on certain subjects because it's hate speech that's coming if they win. You don't know who I mean by they, right? If those people that want to do that win, then we are going to find in America for first time, real genuine persecution. We've gotten a little taste of it with COVID. Under the guise of health and safety, they have said you can't go to church and sing in California. In fact, you can't even have church. And if you have it, you can only have a real small little group of people. I've been following John MacArthur as he's gone to court now four times, spent a lot of money, or spent a lot of money going to court, fighting the state of California um, on this whole subject. Do you have the power... Do you have the legal right to tell the church what to do? In America now we're talking. We live in where we live. Our forefathers paid high price for this. Hundreds of thousands, yea, millions of people have died early for the price of what we have doing right now. So we can't just, you know, act like this isn't expensive. For it is. Well, that's not, that's not shaking itself out yet. Uh, and it may go to the Supreme Court of the United States, Supreme Court of first or next, I think his next step will be Supreme Court of California. right now he lost on an appeal court. An appeal court says the state of California does have the right to do that. So now they're gonna go to the Supreme Court, I believe, of the state of California, and then whatever they decide if it's against him or if it's for him, doesn't make any difference because the state of California probably will take it all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States, which for some reason, on a very similar case. In Louisiana, they voted that the state of Louisiana did have the right to shut the church down. So that was a setback for us, big time. I didn't know that the court was supposed to rule the country. I didn't know the Supreme Court was supposed to rule the country, but I'm off of that. But it could cause you to worry. This guy over here is raising a brand-new family. Brother over here is building a house, raising a brand new family. Just bought a house, raising a brand new family. Brother Chris raising a brand new family. And you know they, they got their future. We old timers, we people over seventy, man, we ain't worried about nothing because they can't hurt us too badly. They cannot hurt us too badly. But you young people, they, they you got life before, so it could. I don't think old timers are really worried about this much because they're old. But I think young people can get very worried and very concerned. And this passage, is this is right today written for you, written for me too. Because we all were young at one time, and things didn't look good when we were young either. In fact, never has looked good in this old world. But evidently, these people struggled with having very little faith. So we're talking about God's children in context. We're not talking about the world. We're ultimately talking about not trusting God's judgment and his decision-making concerning our welfare. Lack of faith in him and in his character is what we're talking about. When I was a kid, I was never worried about my parents providing for me. After I grew up and looked back, I probably should have been. Because my parents went through some rough stuff. And, but man, during that rough stuff they were going through, I never had a concern. I, I never doubted whether there'd be food on the table. I never lost any sleep about their business possibly going belly up and not, people not paying them. They do jobs for them. People don't pay them, stiff them. They got to pay their help and all that. Don't get their money. That happened for two and four or five times. And, uh, you know, I mean, big stuff was happening. They were like, how are we going to do this? How? My mother. My mother was a worrywart. We called her. She kind of worried. My dad was not, but my mom wanted to worry. She struggled with little faith. My dad had faith, man. I tell you, my dad had faith that God was going to work it out. I mean, it was not based on anything other than he just believed God was going to work it out. My mom would go into a hysterical thing, you know, this little speech she'd give. We're all going to die, starve to death, and all that stuff, and start crying. And my dad was saying, now, Lorraine, now stop. Now stop. God's, God's taken and brought us up to this point in life. He's going to take care of us all the way home. Now, I'm a kid. I'm listening to all this because kids hear real well. And I, they thought I was in the bedroom not paying attention. My, name, my, my, uh, my, my ear was right to the door, man. I wanted to know what was going on. And so uh, they, my, if it had been my mother, I'd, have been, I'd, have been, I'd probably suck my thumbs in a fetal position in the corner. But because my dad was a a man of faith, really, I I I thought, okay, well, if dad's good with it, we're good with it. We're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And so I trusted them. I had faith in them. Okay, I was naive. You can say I was naive, but I was peaceful, and I was happy, and there wasn't much I could do about it anyway. That's better than going around worried, fretful, with ulcers, stomach problems not eating right, losing sleep, emotionally struggling. It's a whole lot better to be peaceful and trusting. Look, if you're going to die anyways, you might as well die peaceful rather than struggling. Amen. If you're going to starve to death, I'd rather starve to death peacefully. Because worrying is sure not going to really change anything about what's going on in your life. Not going to change it. So let me look at this. Let me look at a few places here. I hope you got your Bibles. I hope you I hope you can turn to this. Can you hear me? Looks like I don't, I'm don't. i not hearing myself much, but could be. First, that God will and can provide for us. Matthew 6.30 says, Wherefore, if God shall clothe the grass of the field, which his day is, tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith. Matthew 16, verse 8 through 10. He said, after he had done... Uh, uh, they were on the boat, and they said they were asking, well, "Where did anybody bring the bread? Did anybody bring food?" Well, Jesus perceived what they were saying. He said, "Oh, you have little faith. Why reason ye you among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not under, do you not yet understand? Either remember the five loaves and the five thousand, how many baskets you took up? Either the seven loaves and the four thousand, and how many baskets you took up?" So. Basically, he's saying when, when, when God shakes this whole thing out, it's going it's to work out. Your needs are going to be supplied. You can trust me. Philippians 4.19 says, interestingly, but my God shall supply all your need. Now, that's not needs. It's not plural. All your need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to take care of us. He takes care of this whole earth and all its creatures. I stand back in amazement, don't you? that he keeps the squirrels alive and he keeps the blackbirds alive. He keeps the robins alive. He keeps the blue jays alive. He keeps the rabbits alive. He keeps the bobcats alive. He keeps the cougars alive. He keeps the black bears alive. He keeps all the bugs alive. He keeps the mosquitoes alive. We are out to kill every mosquito that ever was, but we're not winning. We are losing. We are out to kill every fire ant that ever was born, but we are losing. We are losing on the fire ant war. I have been waging war for 22 solid years against fire ants. I have, my, my picture is hung up in most of their homes. As enemy number one, I have gasolined them, diesel fueled them. I have powdered them with that white stuff. I have given them poison of every kind. I have uh, tried to flood them out. They're good swimmers. I have tried to flood them out. And I can tell you, I have there are more fire ants on my five acres after spending probably three, 000, four thousand dollars to try to kill them. There are more fire ants now on my property than there were when I began. I think after a while I begin to think, what is the deal here? If I didn't do this, would they just come in my bedroom and haul me off? Who made those fire ants? God. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's good. Oh, he knows how to make something to survive. And if God can cause them fire ants to survive and mosquitoes to survive, he can cause me to survive. And by the way, if it's not my time to survive anymore, I get to go to heaven. It's a win-win. So while I'm alive, I trust him. And if he takes my life, I get to be with him. He takes care of me. We struggle in simply believing God is able to make provision for us. And you know what a cure all that is? Childlike faith. Faith is what shows our confidence in God. Faith shows him we believe his words. Faith is our vote for his existence and his abilities. We just simply have faith. We believe. We don't have to see, because if you see, it's not faith, by the way. It's not, it's not faith if you see. It's faith when you don't see. It, it's, it's not a, it don't take much faith when the sky is blue and the sun shine. It takes faith when the storm's coming. You know, the storm of life coming. Deuteronomy thirty-two twenty says, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are very forward that means perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. So what God calls a perverse generation is not so much, he don't go out and start naming names and and particular sins, does he? He said a perverse generation is a generation that doesn't have faith. Boy, woo! oh, see, it's easy for us to condemn the homosexual or to condemn the uh, uh, adulterer or to condemn the fornicator or to condemn the liar, or to condemn the thief, but we sure don't condemn ourselves when we, when we worry instead of have faith. We're easy on ourselves. God says, I'm not easy on you. Because when you don't have faith, you literally, I'm trying to think of the word. i got a real fancy word I want to say for this. You insult, and that's not the word, by the way. It may come to me. The very character of God. You challenge him. And say, basically, you're not who you said you are when you don't have faith. That's, that's bigger than adultery. It's bigger than immorality. It's bigger than lying. It's bigger than all that other stuff. You know, that other stuff's real bad. Low, no faith. Don't look at no faith like it's a little minor, a little sin. You know, a lot of times we categorize sins, right? Big major stuff. Then we kind of get to the moderate ones. Then we kind of get over here to the small ones. People say, well, a little white lie. No, there's no white lies. There's lies. There's no little stealing. There's just stealing. And uh, at least you enter in the category of theft. Now, then you add to that, you may want to change that. Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 11 says, But he that, but that no man is justified by the law inside of God is evident, for the just should live by faith. That's how we live. And so we, there's a problem uh, uh, that these disciples had, they struggle with about not having faith. Secondly, we see that God can provide our personal safety. So he can provide what we need. Physically, and he can provide our personal safety. The calming of the storm. Uh, the, you remember the calming of the storm? Well, let me read you a little bit it. And they entered into a ship. The disciples followed him. Behold, there arose a great tempest of the sea, and so much the ship was covered with waves. And he was asleep. His disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. And he said, Why? Are you so fearful, (laughs) O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? And these were people of the sea. They were people that were fishermen, and a few of them were. You know what was amazing about that? The noise of the storm, and a storm is noisy. Do not think a storm is nice and quiet. storm is... Deafening, noisy. I've been in some storms. 70 mile hour wind. Uh, The waves hitting the boat. It is noisy. You cannot even talk to each other. You got to yell at each other. Right, Brother Rose? Oh, he's not here. Brother Rose. Brother Rose and I have been in some wild storms. I used to get up. He couldn't hear anyways. I got to get right right near and near to his ear. Yay! Yell at him, man. The wind's blowing. It's howling. Literally howling, whistling through the boat. Waves coming in. Every time you hit a wave, it would come, come over top of you, splash you, wet, salt water running off your face. Oh, it's wild. You're, you're getting ready to die. Jesus didn't even wake up for any of that noise. But at the sound of his disciples' voices, he woke up. It tells you a little something about God. When his, the verses, the righteous cry. We cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth of all our troubles. Amen. That's the one I quote to him all the time. Sometimes I, in the night I've cried out, God help me. And the righteous cry, the Lord heareth, deliver them out of all their troubles. The sound of his distressed children's voices he heard. Amen. What manner of man is this? He's the Savior. He's the maker of all that is. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all that is. He'll take you through your storms in life. You will go through storms in life. None of us get out of this thing alive. None of us get out of this alive. I can pretty well with confidence say, every one of you going to get sick and die, or get in an automobile accident and die, or get shot by a terror, or something's going to happen, but you're going to die someday. Well, that's not good news, preacher. It is if heaven's your home. It is if you get a new body, praise the Lord. You get a new life. It is if the promises of God are true. This world is not my home. I'm not. I'm just a passing through. If that's true, if you believe those songs you sing, then you're okay with it. You're okay. You're willing to trust God on it. Amen. See, it's easy to trust God when the sky's blue and everything's going good. It's easy to trust God when you're healthy. But what about when you're not? <coughs> I told you this before, I was in the emergency room a while back, and I was having trouble. The woman brought out some things called paddles, was thinking about paddling me. And I said, no, but then it got me thinking, well, you know, Bill, maybe you're close. I got thinking, maybe I'm close, because you never think you're close. You think the next guy's going to die, not you. And uh, maybe the nurse may have the big one, but I'm not going to. I got thinking, you know, I may be close. Wow. So this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to be close to crossing over. I started looking around to orderlies, <coughs> see if any of them had white, total white outfit. And some of you were praying for me selfishly. And God said, okay. I'll leave the old bird here. Thirdly, God's, is God's word is true. Walking, I think of walking on the water, Matthew 14, 28 and 21. Peter answered him said, Lord, if, thou be, if it be thou, remember he walked on the water, they didn't know who he was, thought it was a ghost, thought it was somebody. They didn't know. Eventually it was the Lord. Peter says, comes up, and of course he's always the one. That, he's forthright, one to talk, one go gone. Bid me to come out on the water. I preached a sermon called Get Out of the Boat on that. Come, God, Jesus said he does not rebuke you. Did, did Jesus rebuke Peter for wanting to walk on the water? No. Ah, he won't rebuke you either. He's not going to rebuke you for having too much faith. Oh, oh, Brother Tommy, you had too much faith. He's going to say, hey, come. I believe God will do that. Oh, go ahead. Come on. Come on. God's looking for people that want to that He can show Himself strong through. He's looking for him. Peter was one of them. He says, "Ooh!" So Peter comes down out of the ship. Now, I, I've seen those boats. I see what they. I know what they look like. About what they're having. So he gets out of that boat, and imagine when his feet hit the water. That is going to be the moment of truth, right? You know, he's an old fisherman. He jumps out of the side of that boat, and his feet. He's standing on water, and he, Jesus is there, and so he starts to walk. I don't know how far away Jesus was, but he starts walking to Jesus, and he's like. But then an old fisherman looks around, and he goes, man, there were big waves. Whoa, that wind is howling by me. He quits looking at Jesus, and when you quit looking at Jesus, you'll fail too. Don't you look at ABC, NBC, CBN, MSNB, and AS, uh, Clinton Network. Don't look at it. Don't do it. Those people have no faith at all in God. They have no faith and all they're going to do to you is pull what little faith you got out of you. Look to Jesus now and live. It's recorded in his word, hallelujah. Look to Jesus now and live. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim. Mm-mm. Keep looking to Jesus. Well, anyways, he saw the wind boisterous, he's afraid. Ah, he was afraid. Now, what does that teach us? Fear and faith are mutually exclusive. What is mutually exclusive? Have you ever taken water and put oil on top of it, shake it around? My wife was nine months, three weeks pregnant. <clears throat> excuse me, i got to have a drink of water. Nine months, three weeks pregnant. I said nine months, three weeks. I don't know how many weeks that is, but that's a lot of weeks. And she was sitting on the side of bed crying like a baby. I'm 19, she's 18. We don't know much. But I know it ain't good. I want to cry with her, but I figured it wouldn't do any good because she was making me miserable. And so she's outside, but I want to have this baby. I want to have this baby. Kathy, you in here tonight? That's the truth, eh? So we go to the doctor, and he's an old timey doctor. I love the guy. He's an old timey doctor. He's the kind of doctor, he's a Jew, Schwartz, and he's a 55 year old. Jewish doctor, and so he says to her, he says, uh, I'm going to give you something that's going to cause you to have this baby. Well, she would have, there's nothing you could have said that she wouldn't do. So he gives her cod liver oil. Wasn't that right, Kennedy? Castor oil. And that's the kind you put in your car. That's castor. So put this ca- I watched her do it. She put this castor, and it's like, it looks like automobile oil. And I guess she tried to mix a little orange juice with it. But if she'd go like this, and that baby would go whoop, that's what mutually exclusive is. Do You want to know the rest of the story, which has nothing to do with the sermon. But she took that thing by faith, and she downed that whole deal. Boy, the look on her face. She downed that, drank that whole thing. And at, what, at midnight, 1 o'clock, he woke me up and said, it's time, it's time. And I drove her to the hospital, and she had the baby. Oh, cat, Castro, whatever kind of oil that was. Castro. That's an old-timey. By the way, this doctor was so good. I like doctors who don't follow their own advice. He died of a heart attack, 55. A doctor's unhealthy. An unhealthy doctor will help you. They're not idealistic. I'm overweight, 50 pounds. You don't have to worry about it. Well, he, he should have worried about it a little bit, maybe. So faith, it's a little. You, we got this little faith. He was afraid. If you have fear, you're not going to have faith. They don't, they're, you just. What's God trying to do? He wants you to believe him. He wants you to believe him. And not follow what you see around you. God brings things into your life that look bad, feel bad, smell bad. And all your your senses go, oh, this is bad. And God says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Getting old has a whole new set of tests. And all your old people said You know what I'm talking about, don't you? As a whole new set of tests. And so you better better belly up because uh, tests just aren't when you're young. Tests keep going all the way through your life, all the way down to the last breath you take. God's seeing if you believe him. All I can say is believe, brother. Do it like the old boy did with the demon-possessed son. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Sometimes I go to God at night and I say, look, Lord, I, I don't have much faith. I need faith. But I believe that you're good all the time. And you're going to take me through whatever i got to go through. So what happened to Peter was his senses overruled his faith. And as soon as that happened, he began to sink and drown. But, you know, God's merciful for our failure. He grabbed him and says, come on up pulled him back up there. And immediately the Bible says they were at the boat. That was because the walking back to the boat would have probably been pretty traumatic for him at that point. They were back in the boat, got him in the boat. Well, why did all that happen? Because he wanted him to have faith. I think we need to put our head down, trust God tonight. Put your head down, trust God. What kind of faith do you really have? Little faith, strong faith? The Gentiles in, G- in Jesus' day, they demonstrated some faith. Uh, they did. The centurion, when he believed God, uh, Jesus said, I've not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Centurion. He believed. A woman uh, had, had a daughter vexed with the devil, Matthew 15. She said, uh, she said uh, uh, it is not meet to take children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. That's what Jesus said to her. And she said, truth, Lord, if the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table, and Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. Oh, there's some sermon preaching there. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. So I see twice in the Bible, he tells the Gentiles, your faith's great. A centurion was a Roman, Roman Gentile. You have I've not seen this greater faith anywhere in Israel. And he tells this woman, you got great faith, but he's telling his disciples, you got little faith. Something's upside down about that, folks. Sometimes God's people, you'd think they'd have great faith. You'd think they'd be strong. You'd think they'd been in the Bible long enough. They'd been around. Remember how these disciples were around Jesus, man, saw him, heard him, everything. You'd think they would have had, and these people, this centurion, he didn't know much. What do he know about Jesus? This this woman with this daughter of the devil, what'd she know about Jesus? Didn't know much, but she had great faith. What's that tell you? It means anybody can have great faith. You can have great faith. You can believe God. You can pass the test. Faith will save you. Your faith will make you whole. Your faith will settle you. Your faith will make you at peace. Your faith will empower you. Your faith will please God. It is all about our faith. We tithe in faith. We attend preaching in faith. We read the Bible in faith. We witness in faith. We pray in faith. Everything we do as a Christian in obedience to God is faith, 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 faith. The bus ministry is all about faith, brother. It's all about faith. The RU program, you show up on Friday night. It's about whether you believe God is going to do something. You believe the Word's quick and powerful. Yeah, I believe God. Well, then you show up and say, God's going to do something tonight. Well, I didn't see anything happen. Oh, what you see with the eyes is nothing compared to what happens behind the scenes. God, God does great and mighty things which you know no. not. Well, I hope it encourages you some. Have faith, He'll supply your needs, He'll supply your safety. And I'm going to say this to you have faith in praying that God would move greatly in this next election. And cause revival. Let me tell you something. As I quit, I've gone a little bit long. Or I think, really, that Paul went long. (laughs) I think Paul went long, not me. So a, a miracle happened this week. Big miracle. Big miracle. Bigger than the crossing of the Red Sea in my book. Bigger than the paralytic being totally healed. Bigger than the feeding of the five, four thousand, five thousand. Pastor uh, uh, President Trump's brother died. He asked an old independent, fundamental, King James Bible preacher to do the funeral in Washington in front of all the people who gathered. It was Clarence Sexton of Crown College. Now, brother, he didn't ask, do you know that? You know the Methodist preachers wanted to be asked, the Lutheran preacher wanted to be asked, the Presbyterian preachers wanted to be asked, the Catholic folks wanted to be asked. You name, name somebody to be asked to do the President of the United States, Brother, and the dignitaries that would show up to be able to give the God. Independent Baptist, that's a dream come true. Is God working for us? He is working for us. I've been hearing lately, Trump talk more and more about God. There's no peace without God. There's no grace without God. I'm starting to hear him say stuff that, why, I've never heard a president even want to mention the name God. They want to take Christ out of Christmas. They want to make this a totally heathen, pagan nation. Erase the Ten Commandments out of everywhere. Erase the mention of God out of everywhere. And here we got a president, a duly elected president, that's talking about God all the time. Faith. You believe God can cause revival? People say, oh, I never have revival in the United States. That is the opposite of faith. But I believe if God's people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. All it takes for that is faith. And when you have faith, you and I have faith in our closets. We say, God, this November do a miracle. Do a, do a political miracle. but we'll Do something bigger than a political miracle. Start a fire of old-fashioned Revival. Where Christians repent of their wickedness that they do in secret, that they that they get faithful to God in their lives when no man can see, that they begin to seek God, reading their books and being serious about seeking who God is, and begin and to be humble, spirited. That's revival. It can happen. There's nothing holding it back. Nothing. My people should call my name. Should humble themselves. If we'll cry, He'll hear. It can happen. If you'd have told me Clarence Sexton was going to be able to preach the President of the United States' funeral, I'd have told you, you would got, to be. You've got a big imagination. That's what you got. It already happened. It already happened. I'd to thank you for the few minutes together. May your Holy Spirit move in power. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com.